This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast. This is where we give you one of our full interviews from the week. And this is a good one. In the magazine's recent equality issue, nine individuals were interviewed trans workers who talked about their personal experiences. And Jason, that included Precious Brady Davis. She shared her personal experience about coming out as a transgender individual. Precious joined us from Chicago. Here's what she had to say. My name is Precious Brady Davis, and I am a proud African-American. I'm going to say that again. Uh, Thank you so much, Carol, for having me. Good morning, Precious Brady Davis. I am a proud black trans woman. Uh, I originally grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I come from a very conservative family. Uh, My grandmother was very religious, and at a young age, I showed very feminine tendencies, and I was very acutely aware at a young age that I was, in fact, uh, a little girl. And so... As I became uh, an adolescent, uh, I became genderqueer and started uh, experimenting with my gender and my sexuality. And uh, as I became an adult, uh, the, the feeling and the desire was still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I transitioned uh, when, uh, after I graduated well, college. Well, hold on for a second, because I want to take a step back. Go back to growing yeah, sorry. up. sorry. No, 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 don't be sorry. But go back to, you know, talking about growing up in Omaha, you said, you know, your grandmother was very religious. You know, what was family life? Was it hard that you felt like you couldn't really reveal who you were? Yeah, it was hard for me growing up, uh, being genderqueer, especially growing up in Nebraska, growing up in a rural environment, you know, where I wasn't really exposed to diversity. Uh, I was scolded and and disciplined for displaying feminine tendencies and wanting to exist in an identity uh, that was not normative. How did you know that you were gay? Because, you know, I was reading somewhere that people were asking you if you were gay in fourth grade. You're young. You're still young. Um, By that time, did you know, Okay, yeah, this is who I am? I didn't know. Like, uh, I'm actually, I'm writing a book right now. Uh, I'm writing a memoir on my life. The Mm -hmm. memoir is titled, I Have Always Been Me. And so when I was in fourth grade, when people were asking me, are you gay? I didn't know. People assigned an identity to me way before I ever had a chance to, to figure out how I identified on the inside. I was just being me. And I think that's, that's a fact for thousands of queer kids in the world. They're just being who who they authentically are. And I liked playing with girl toys. I liked playing with Barbies. I liked playing dress up. And I didn't want to be a little boy. But there was no education um, at that time mm-hmm. surrounding gender identity or identifying as transgender or being gender nonconforming. Uh, and so I just showed up. In, in the world without definition. Yeah, that must have been really hard for you. Yeah, it, it was definitely a struggle. I was definitely bullied. I was definitely harassed. Mm-hmm. It was hard to be so strong in my personality and uh, who I was without having any kind of figure to identify it with. I was just being me. Uh, it, it wasn't until recent years that we've started to have this mass societal conversation around gender and transgender 
identity. And so it was a struggle um, until I finally understood when I was in college, when I took an LGBT literature course, that we have a great history, mm-hmm. a great history of trans and gender nonconforming people who have been erased from the narratives of history. And I felt like I was discovering a great history uh, that I was a part of. Did you have a lot of friends? And I'm curious, because I think, right, we're always constantly from from being from a little kid to, you know, an adult, you're always, you know, aligning yourself with people that you relate to. What was it like as a kid? I think as a kid, it was extremely isolating mm. that because I didn't have a lot of people who understood what was actually going on. I think there was a lot of discipline happening in my world just because I was involved in church and the Pentecostal church at that. And there were leaders in that church who wanted to see one form of of gender identity displayed. You know, I remember a youth pastor telling me that I needed to switch a watch to the other hand because it was feminine. The youth pastor told me, you know, that I needed to walk straight uh, and upright. There was a lot of policing of my behavior as as a young person. And even the way that I approached teachers, I remember as at a young age, I was putting uh, my knees in my t-shirt because I was cold. And one of my teachers said, oh, you're making bosoms uh, at me. And so mm-hmm. all of my my gender action, they, they were policed uh, as a young person. I think it was really isolating. So let's talk about when you were able to kind of open up and you transitioned after college while you were working. Tell us about that time period of your life. Yeah, so after college, uh, I did the whole party, have a good time. Uh, But then uh, I came back to my first love. Uh, I was performing as a showgirl and uh, there was an onslaught in Chicago's Boys Town neighborhood of, it was called Take Back Boys Town. And it was a movement to eradicate gay, bi and trans youth of color uh, out of the neighborhood because they felt that they weren't consumers of that neighborhood and they didn't want to see homeless young people uh, around, that it was a scourge to the entertainment district. And so I decided to myself that I can make a difference like in the world. Mm-hmm. And I left being a showgirl and I said, I have a degree in liberal arts. <laughs> like I can do something else. Right. And my, my first love was social justice. When I was in high school, I attended this program called Anytown that educated me on bias, bigotry, and prejudice in the world. And so I decided that I could have a better impact in my community if I serve as a community leader and I work with those young people uh, and serve as a, a mode of inspiration and that I can impart into their lives. And just as I thought that I was going to impart into their lives, they imparted into my life. Once I started working at the Center on Halstead at that LGBT community center, Mm -hmm. I saw these young high school students who are walking around proud, visible, and trans in their high schools. And I said, if this 16-year-old over here can walk in her high school and can be trans and proud, so can I. It's great. Well, tell us, because I think part of us understanding one another, whoever we may be, is understanding the process of what you had to do to transition. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, 
everyone's transition is different. Right. And so um, in terms of like my process, it was simply a journey to authenticity. Uh, and first I, I started um, fully dressing and identifying like as a woman. That was the first step. I had trouble identifying that I could be a woman in the, the flesh and body that I that I lived in. I remember coming to work. It, this is in the, the beginning stages, you know, when I was working at Center on Halstead. And I said to one of my coworkers, I wish I could be sitting here as precious. And he said to me, you can. And so it's about people affirming the name that you go by, affirming the gender that you identify as. It's about celebrating. It's about creating a safe space. Um, and I, I'm curious how everyone treated you, coworkers, boss, as you transitioned. Family. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my family... Starting with my family, I think that it was a journey for them. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever once doubted that they love me uh, and they supported me uh, through the, the transition. They may not have understood, but I had a blessing that a lot of people don't, that I was never, you know, rejected or ousted uh, for my transgender identity. Conflicted, yes, but I was at least uh, accepted. And so I think there's a leg up there. In terms of my colleagues, I think that my colleagues were like very supportive in, in my transition. The administration, it was crazy. I was working in an LGBT center and I wanted to change my name simply in the email system. And they wouldn't change my name in the email system. Because they said that I hadn't legally changed my name. And at that time, I didn't have the financial resources to go about a full legal name change. And you would think that an LGBT community center would be the most affirming. So it shows that sometimes, even like within our community, we still have work to do and we have a long way to go. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you, Precious, because I know uh, in the magazine, we actually talked to nine uh, individuals, trans workers. They each talked about their personal experiences, including you. And they talked about support or not getting support and what could be better, whether it's health care, the actual medical process of transitioning, uh, government involvement, education. What could be better from your from your own experience? Yeah, I think we need affirming health care. I think trans people deserve to have the right to have a service provider who understands their unique needs without triggering them, without disrespecting them. I think that we need basic rights in terms of equality with our government. Trans people deserve to serve in the military. Trans people deserve to exist in our society and, and pursue whatever desire or dream that they have. You know, there's this onslaught from the Trump administration, you know, against transgender people. And I think that it's about recognizing our humanity and not villainizing us and dehumanizing us. And I think that it's about showing us in our humanity that mm -hmm. we are mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, you know, colleagues, uh, and a, a multitude of, of things that we are not just like one thing. And I think it starts with just recognizing our humanity. Yeah. And I, and I think it's good that we talk about these stories so that we all have a better understanding of one another because we all have differences, but we need to embrace it. And congratulations on being you and coming by and telling your story. Precious, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And you've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. And this is Bloomberg.